You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the initial Perry Noble Leadership Podcast for 2015. Woohoo! We are here, uh, January 2015, excited about uh, the year that's upcoming. New Spring Church celebrating its 15th uh, birthday all year long. 15 years, man. 15 years. Gosh, I'm getting old. So, we're going to have this is going to be a great year uh, for New Spring Church. It's going to be a great year for this podcast. And so, we're excited about. Spending time with you. Thank you uh, for all the, those of you that, that listen and download this podcast. We're certainly grateful uh, that you take your time to listen, and we hope that we can be helpful. And if there's questions you want us to answer or anything you have in mind that we can probably help out with, n- email us at uh, hello at newspring.cc. Yeah. And uh, we'll get to us. Yeah. We'll get to the right place. There you go. Hello. So, with that, hey, let's jump into this uh, initial podcast for this year. We're going to talk about the best investment you can make in 2015. The best investment you can make in 2015. Uh, But before we do that, quickly want to mention something we're excited about that's coming up March 4th and 5th of this year, and that is a leadership intensive uh, with with Perry Noble. It'll be at our Anderson campus. Again, the dates are March 4th and March 5th. Uh, The cost is $850.00. Um, and you can go to newspringnetwork.com for all the information. But here's what you need to do is you're listening to this. The first 50 people that register and pay will be who gets in, and we're going to limit it to 50 people. And, Perry, I know you may want to mention some more about this later. Is there anything you want to add to that uh, before we jump into today's topic? I'm super excited about it because I've rewritten about 50% of the content. Um, I normally teach... Uh, these leadership intensives, and they're a lot of fun. They're two days um, long. and and But I literally sat down the other day for about three or four hours. I rewrote 50% of the content, and I'm so excited about teaching it. I think it's newer. I think it's fresh, and I cannot wait to hang out. Like I said, 50 people, and we're going to take great care of you. That cost includes um, your meals, you know, uh, breakfast and lunch, I think both days and I, and so, so much more. So if you can come to that thing, I'm telling you, it's going to be worth your time. Yep, definitely. We've heard great feedback in the past and just like, uh, the church has grown and you've grown as a leader. Uh, there's going to be, it sounds like some new great things to be a part of that. I'm pretty pumped. Time. I'm pretty pumped. Uh, so that'll be exciting again, March 4th and 5th, uh, newspringnetwork.com for more information on that. Perry, I would just say this, you know, faster than I think any of us would have thought 2015 is here. Uh, New Year uh, always brings the hope of living this year better than we did last year. Uh, So today, you know, we're going to talk about ways that we can make 2015 a great year. And specifically, um, we're going to look at four areas uh, where if we make the right investments, we'll see a great return in 2015. And so I'm just going to jump in. Uh, We're going to cover four specific areas. Uh, The first place that we want to make an investment is in our personal health. Um, Let me just ask you this. Why is it important to invest into our personal health? I think personal health, and I I can say this, um, speaking to, to church world specifically, is one of the most neglected areas of leadership. And when I say this is, um, we many times in, in, in church or in any sort of Christian leadership, we neglect to take care of our own bodies. We neglect to exercise. We neglect to eat right. We neglect to get enough sleep. 
Um, and if you add all those things up, it makes us more tired. It makes us more cranky. It makes us more irritable. We're not fun to be around. And that makes us a worse leader. And I think one of the best things that a leader can do is make a commitment, make, I mean, make a commitment to get in better shape or get in the gym three or four times a week or lose five or 10 or 50 pounds or, or something along those lines, because it, it, you know, lower, lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol, all these things. What we've got to understand is it's all a spiritual issue. Mm. And in our churches, we will teach people that there's no such thing. I mean, everything's a spiritual issue. Everything's a spiritual issue. But when we start messing with somebody's food or diet, we go, oh, no, 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 that's not a spiritual issue. But it's no coincidence, and I had somebody point this out to me one time, it's no coincidence that the very first temptation of mankind had to do with food. The very first temptation of Jesus had to do with food. Food has always been a temptation. And the Christian community, the the thing we will not address in today's society is is obesity and being overweight. And I think one of the reasons that we refuse to deal with it as leaders is because we're struggling with it as leaders. So I'm telling you, if you will make an investment in your personal health and you know, see a doctor, get on an exercise plan, get in a gym, start taking care of yourself, it's going to make you a better leader. Yeah, no doubt. I don't think anybody would argue that when you exercise more, eat better, you feel better, everything works. But uh, Perry, it's always hard to stick with something like that. So my next question would just simply be, uh, what are some ways uh, that our listeners could take steps into focusing on what they eat, getting more exercise, sleeping better, anything like that? What are some good ways to get started? The best thing, honestly, I mean, there's so many practical steps. Like, for example, uh, call your doctor and, you know, Talk to him or her about, you know, how do you how do you sleep better? What are some eating habits? Go see a registered dietitian. Please do not Google great ways to eat. You're it's just it's horrible all the information out there. But there are registered dietitians in the community that you're gonna have to pay some money to go see, but they can put you on a diet and figure something out for you. Um go to a gym, hire a trainer. Um one of the most popular things on our staff right now is this CrossFit thing. People yep. have lost their minds yeah. and their and all, some body parts. Yes, I mean, yeah, there's people like blowing out knees and stuff <laughs> like that. But here's the deal: I've seen people who have never been interested in exercise yep. actually interested in exercise because they're doing it with a group. Yeah, they're it's doing a community. so they go and they are in pain together for 45 <laughs> minutes, and nothing will bring a group of people together like pain. Yeah. Um. And so that's what I would say is. Uh, this is the this is the beginning of the year. Everybody makes that resolution. I'm gonna lose a couple pounds, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. But you you've got to have a plan and stick with it because at the end of the day, the toughest leadership challenge that a leader has is leading themselves. And if you cannot dedicate to leading yourself physically, eventually you'll cheat in other areas. Yep, yep. Discipline uh, doesn't allow. Uh, any loopholes, really. It doesn't. And, and, and that's the other thing. And let me just challenge pastors. Pastors, we cannot preach on self-control if we're out of control at a buffet. Let me say that again. We cannot preach on self-control if we're out of control at a buffet. It is hypocritical to You're point our finger. you business now, Perry. I, I know, man. But, but it's, it's hypocritical to point our finger in the face of an alcoholic and say you have a problem when we cannot... I mean, when our when we can put a drink on our belly, 
Would uh, I, in regards to that, um, would you say because you mentioned this about CrossFit? And one of the things that's obvious about CrossFit is that community. There's a bunch of people, kind of an accountability. Would one of the ways you would suggest to people to really sticking with it is finding somebody to work yeah. out with or some some level of accountability? Yeah, find a workout partner. But here's the other thing. Let me let me push down on this. I I have I've had very few workout partners. Um, one of the thing I have something I think broken in me. I I can I can get up and work out at three o'clock in the morning if I have to. But I remember one time I had a guy come to me in the church and he wanted to work out with me and I didn't want to work out with him because he I knew he didn't want to work out. And I told him, um, and this is probably this is probably ungodly and unrighteous. And so I'm just going to save you the email. You don't have to send in. Um, but I told him I said yes. I said we can work out together. I said, but um, if we work out together, we're not going to talk about God. We're not going to talk about Jesus. I said, in fact, I'm not even going to talk to you. I'm going to have my earphones in. The only thing I want you to do is tell me how many reps you're going to get, and I want you to spot. And he goes, well, what if God wants me to talk to you? And I was like, he doesn't. God, God does not want you to talk to me, not when we're working out. We're there to work out. It's not a counseling session. It's not a therapy appointment. I'm in a gym for an hour to do one thing. See how much stress I can put on my heart. That's that's it. That's why I'm there. So you've got to find that person because um, you'll have a lot of people that want to work out with you as a leader, but what they really want is a prayer partner. And and nothing wrong with having a prayer partner. But when I'm trying to bench press, I, I need you to pray for me, but I need you to make sure I can lift that weight. Yeah, for sure. Accountability in the gym has nothing to do with, with those things. All right, so let's talk about, we talked about personal health. Another area... Uh, that you wanted to highlight that if we make the right kind of investment, we'll see a great return in 2015 is the area of our families. Mm -hmm. And so what are some, let me just ask this, what are some signs that someone's current investment in their family is lacking? So I was having dinner several years ago with a church leader and um, the, the, it was actually it was a few church leaders and some of our kids around the table. And Karis at the time was like two, um, which still blows my mind that people ask me, how do you raise godly children? And I'm like, I got a seven-year-old. I don't know. I can get them to seven, but after that, you're on your own. And I was asking the kids, I was like, you know, what's some things you love about ministry? What's some things you don't love about ministry? You know, because, and, and they're all, you know, between the ages of five and 15. And I'm trying to get insight as a dad. And I just remember this one kid looking at me going, I wish I didn't have to spend so much time at church. And this is a pastor's son. And it 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 got real awkward at the table. I changed the subject. I started talking about like the bread or something like that. But I can remember thinking, man, I I need to make sure that my daughter doesn't feel like I'm dragging her to church all the time. And so that began um that began a kind of a, a quest for me to kind of dive into my family. So I, I ask Lucretia, who's my wife, um, this question often, uh, how am I doing as a husband? How can I encourage you as a husband? What are some things I can do to better support you as a husband? Um, I ask Lucretia, or I ask Karis all the time, how am I doing as a daddy? Uh, because I know, in fact, Shane, I heard you say this in a talk the other day, that your ministry will only be as good as your marriage. And and if you've got a bad marriage, it will spill over into a bad ministry. Yeah, actually, I believe that your ministry will always be a step behind your marriage. So yeah. whatever, however strong your your marriage is, will dictate how good your ministry is. And you can fake it for a while. Yep. But at some point, uh, one affects the other, and God doesn't want your marriage to be out of whack so your ministry is successful because that's not what the Bible says. As a, I hope everybody 
I hope everybody say that again, Shane. I don't know that I can. It was just okay. But the, just but the, rewind. But, yeah, but just basically, the 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 Lord doesn't want your marriage to to suffer in your ministry be successful because that's not the priority structure He put in place in Scripture. He held, He puts marriage in the place of showing us how he loves us through his son because you know Ephesians 5 and so why would he want to take the very institution that he uses as an analogy for how he loves us and put it in a place where it would be destroyed on the very altar of the thing he's trying to build it doesn't make sense at all so love your wife love your husband and make that a priority and if your ministry, if you think your ministry is great and your marriage is not, then you need to focus on your ministry. I'm sorry, on your marriage, because at some point, your ministry will reflect, be reflected by your marriage. Well, let me ask this question, Shane. I want to do a little role reversal here, because okay. while I have a seven-year-old, you have four boys, yep. the oldest of which is 19 or 20? Uh, almost 21. Uh, almost 21, yep. Okay. Um, and if you're a podcast listener, I mean, you hear Shane ask a lot of questions, but here's what you need to know about Shane. He's got four boys, um, two of which his two oldest boys are in ministry right now. They, I mean, they're on staff at a church in ministry. Um, I saw a picture of his third oldest boy playing the guitar at a ministry thing for his yep. school the other day. So, so you, and your wife um, is Sherry Duffy is over all of our kids bring curriculum. I would say that I don't know that she sleeps. I, I don't under, if she does, Every it now can't and be for, So, but so when you first started coming to new spring, your boys were 10, eight, six, and four. Mm-hmm. Um, and you both, neither one of you were in ministry. Now, both of you are in full-time ministry. You have two sons in full-time ministry. You got a third son participating in ministry. What, how, how did you, like get through. I mean, how do you and Sherry make sure that your marriage is is healthy and where it needs to be? Well, you know, fortunately for us, we you know we learned marriage lessons along the way. We were both um, you know thirty five or thirty six years old and had kids before we even stepped into ministry. And so we had to learn to ne- negotiate marriage before ministry ever showed up. Mm. And so um, and so for us, uh, we just wanted to make sure that you know nothing uh, supplanted the priority of our marriage. Um, so when we stepped into ministry, that didn't change. You know, Sherry made it a priority that she was going to work the hours the boys were in school, and the church had to a- accommodate that or she wasn't going to do her ministry. And for me, you know, it was one of those things. I'd, my kids grew up in a house where they knew that the primary relationship in the house was with their mom, not with them. Mm. Um, and it's because the, the best uh, security you can create for your kids, I believe, is for a husband to love his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, And then as the kids grew up, you know, the struggle I faced is I started to find my effectiveness as a parent or maybe maybe more so my effectiveness as a pastor by how my kids reacted to things at church. You know, did they want to come to our student ministry? Did they want to come to our kids' ministry? Did they want to be at church? And uh, I realized that me and their mom were at church a lot, and if we're not careful, they're going to be here all the time. Yep. And so on Sundays, you know, we did church all day. We made sure they were here for no more than two services. And we made sure we they were home, and we took care of that. Uh, as they grew up and grew older, I told them very plainly, the number one goal I have for them is to love Jesus. And the second to that is I want them to love his church, but they do not have to love my church. And so I wanted to remove every element of pressure 
that they felt that they had to be uh, defined by New Spring Church or what I did in ministry or what their mom did in ministry. I wanted them to know that I want them to love Jesus and his church. And so if that if that happens, then I think we win. They win as people, and uh, I win as a parent. And so we just move forward with that. And, you know, to this point, um, you know, all my boys love Jesus, and, and two of them now love the church to the extent they've given their life to it. And um, you know, I don't know what the other two are going to do, but I like the way things are headed. Man, that that right there is worth sitting down and listening to again, maybe as a leadership team. Because number one, um, as pastors, we need to understand that that Jesus is broad as the church, and too many times we're tempted to have an affair with the bride of Christ and yep. and leave leave our wife out to dry when God didn't call us to love, you know, his, his we, we're supposed to love his bride, but Jesus, Jesus is going to take care of his bride. We've got to take care yeah. of our own. Jesus is going to build his church. When we meet him face to face, he is not going to look at us and give us the stats about our church. Right. He is going to look at us and say, how did you love your wife? Like I yep. love my church. His finish line is very different than the one we try to run for every wow. single day. And so if we're not careful, guys in particular will start to define success in their life by the accomplishments they have on this earth that God cares nothing about. Yep, yep. And we won't put our time and energy into the, the, the handful of things that I think God does care about because He says so in His Word. And so, you know, for me, I, was, I felt like I was too late in life when I started to, to learn that. But, but, you know, over the last 10 or so years, I'm like, this is, my life's going to be about that. The things that matter to God is what's going to matter to me. Um, and for people in ministry, it's so easy to, to create this false sense of success based on how well you preached or led or accomplished this task or this thing. Uh, and God, I really don't think he cares. I think he cares about how you steward your time and energy. But if it was at the sacrifice of your wife or your kids, you lose. You know, Shane, I've got a mentor in my life who's probably 30 or so years older than me. Him and his wife had one daughter. Um, he was a pastor. Uh, she grew up in his house. You know, she grew up and, and wound up never rebelling, loving Jesus, and actually married a pastor. And so I took him to lunch one day, and I said, how'd you do that? And I never will forget, he said something to me, and it stood out in what you said. He told me, he said, I never told my daughter she couldn't do something because I worked at the church. Yeah. Like, you can't go with your friends to the beach because that would look bad on Daddy as the church. And you said that about your boys, and I remember watching you walk through that and you telling them, hey, listen, if if you can love Jesus more at another church, it's okay if you, if you go to that church. Yeah. And then me as a pastor, being your boss, being like, well, hey, I think I've got to be okay with that too, that I've got a staff member telling their kid— if you can love Jesus more effectively at another church, because at the end of the day, I was fine with that. You were fine with that, because the goal is for us to have kids that love Christ yeah. and love love His church. Absolutely, man, that's that was fun. All right. Whew. Well, I don't know if we actually answered the question that I, I don't. I, <laughs> I really, I really think, I really think if pastors, if they went to their families and would sit down and have the courage to that. ask the question. If you could change one thing about my schedule, what would you change? And then just shut up and don't try to justify anything. Yeah. Don't, well, you don't understand. Well, I have to, it, like, what's the one thing? Yeah. 
Like Lucretia told me, she said, I need you home between 5.30 and 6 o'clock every night. Yep. And I'm like, you know what? That I am in the driveway yep. between 5.30 and 6 o'clock every night. That's her, that's her call. She gets yep. to make that call. Yeah. Ask them what, what they think and don't try to defend it. Just do it. Yep. Um, third area, if you make uh, the right investment, we think 2015 will be better, is your time with God. And so... You know, I know we got a lot of church people listening to this, Perry, but but let's just let's go from from ground zero. What's the best way to get started with making a better investment in your time with God? You know, one of the things that I discovered in in doing some coaching and some leadership development um, is the number of pastors and ministry leaders that really do struggle in having a consistent time with the Lord. And I understand that. I'm not condemning that. I understand that. But I remember a phrase by Craig Rochelle years ago that he said it was, you know, early on in ministry when he discovered he was a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think if we neglect that personal time with the Lord, that we will become full-time ministers and part-time followers of Christ. And I have a conviction that the best ministry in our life comes out of the overflow of what God's doing yep. in our heart. Yep. And so I'm I'm big on, you know, getting up every morning, starting the morning in the word. I know I know some people say, "Well, I'm not a morning person." There, there's not a regiment. There's not a right thing to do. I just tell guys, you got to find out what sets your heart on fire for Jesus and do it a lot. Yep. That's good. Um, and it, and and the the most important thing is just to get started because if we drift away from from our time with the Lord, I mean I, I'm I'm remembering and I might I might get this wrong. I don't have my I don't have my Bible right in front of me, but I, if I'm not mistaken, in First Samuel chapter thirty, David and his men they come back the. The Philistines said, you can't go fight with us. So they come back to, um, I think it's Ziklag, and they realize that the city has been destroyed and their wives and their children had been kidnapped. And the men were actually talking about stoning David. There's a verse in there. It's pretty early. It's either verse 5 or 6 or somewhere in that passage where it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And I just always looked at that text and went, you know, he found strength. He didn't he didn't receive strength because other people encouraged him. There are days as ministers that we are as leaders we have to find strength in the Lord our God. Mm-hmm. And so that passage of scripture has has meant so much to me personally because I'm like if I ever neglect to find my strength in the Lord my God and what what'll happen is I'll start to to depend on other people for yep. my strength. So I start blaming things on my wife or I start blaming things on my staff or I start blaming things on circumstances rather than, you know what, God, this is a tough thing I'm going through and I'm going to find my strength in you. Yeah, that's so good. So get started. Whatever, you know, increases your uh, affection for Jesus, do that a lot. That's what you said. And what- for me, you know, for me, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I I don't want to start telling people, you know, read your Bible every morning, pray, journal, da 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 da. But um, for me, there's there's a discipline. Like, I I don't I don't know what type of person this makes me, but I hate to journal. I don't like journaling. I don't write. I don't like writing things down. Um, but I have found that if I will discipline myself to journal, 
I actually remember what I read. And what I've tried to do lately is try to really focus in on a word for the day that I'm really trying to wrap my mind around, my, my idea, my concepts around. And so it's helped me. So I don't love it. Like some people are like, well, I don't love this or I don't love that. It's, it, that's why it's called a spiritual discipline. <laughs> yeah. Nobody loves change initially. No. But here's the thing that I've learned, Perry, is anything that starts out as discipline that actually benefits your life eventually turns from discipline into a lifestyle. Yep. Like I would say yours now is not so much di- quote-unquote discipline as it's a lifestyle. Yep. You get up early, you read your Bible, you drink your coffee, you write in the journal, you know, all that kind of... another cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. And so, but it, but it had to start out with, hey, I'm going to have to set my clock. I'm going to have to make myself do this. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think that's... You've got to be disciplined somewhere. No, nothing's going to be easy. That's a value. Right. Um, right. And so uh, you mentioned a couple of these, but just before we leave this particular area, uh, we've talked about why it's easy to drift away from this. But but and you, what are what are some things you did early on to start that discipline for you? You know, reading my Bible has always been something that I've I've done. Like I, it's just I've always it, since I've been a Christian. Like um, somebody back in 1990 a guy gave me a paperback student Bible as one of those paperback. And if you were a Christian in the nineties and you, you had one of these Bibles um, and it, and all I'd ever known was KJV. That's all I'd ever known. I didn't know there was an NIV. And I remember the first night I sat down to try to read it and I just kept reading it. Cause I was like, I can understand this. This is the coolest thing. I didn't even know this. And so, you know, there's different things, reading the Bible, journaling. I'll tell, I'll tell pastors for about five or six years in a row, I bought a brand new Bible every year and I read through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is because what can happen is we can mark up our Bibles and there's nothing wrong with marking up your Bibles, but then you're reading and it's kind of like, you know, when that scene's coming in the movie, Hey, yeah. here comes the awesome verse that I've highlighted and circled and got a star and a note beside. But if you go get another, and then the other thing I did, um, and this stretched me, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to read some different translations of the mm-hmm. Bible so I went and bought an ESV and read through that. Then I bought an NLT and I read through that. And I'm like, man, this is, it really does open yep. open your mind up to seeing God's word in a new, fresh, powerful way. So that's just something somebody yep. can try. No, I think that's great. So the fourth area we want to talk about where if you make the right kind of investment, uh, 2015 will be great, is the area of personal uh, or leadership development. So why is this important? Why is this an area to invest in? So John Maxwell, who has probably forgotten more about leadership than I will ever know, in his book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which is a must read if anybody wants to be a leader. Um, anyway, he talks about the law of the lid. And in that law, he basically says that your church or organization or business can't rise higher than you and you can you can literally be the leadership lid that holds everyone or everything back and i remember reading that chapter and being like you know what i can do something about that i don't want to be the lid that holds the entire church back and so i think one of the things that pastors church leaders business leaders do in, in the business world, this isn't as much of a problem. I mean, they'll go to seminars and conferences or whatever, and I've seen some of the prices that these people pay, and it's unreal, but they understand that the, when 
the leader grows in their capacity, the entire organization grows in their capacity. And I think as pastors and church leaders, we need to be reading the right things, we need to be studying the right things, and we need to be putting ourselves in the right environments. I remember years ago, um, I was going to go to a roundtable with a, a, a Christian leader, if I were to call his name, people would know it, and it was like five grand to go to this thing, and I was sweating that, and I was like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go, it's not worth it. And the very next day, um, I was reading, I believe it was Proverbs 4, and I'm just reading that that morning, and it says, get wisdom whatever it costs. And I'm like, okay, God, you win on this one. And I went, and it turned out to be one of the most impactful things. I, 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 I haven't missed the money, um, but I made an investment. And one of the things, one of the things I think especially Christian leaders have to get away from is somebody's going to give me something for free. Um, I remember the very first year we ever did our Unleash conference, and it was $39. And we had people calling us going, do you give discounts? And I'm like, it's $39. Uh, and probably they're asking for a discount while they're sitting in Starbucks sipping their $5 latte on their MacBook and browsing the web on their cell phone. I, I just... I'm like, you know what? You got to be willing to make an investment. You got to be willing to make an investment in time. You know, I listen to. I li one of the things I do is I listen to podcasts. I want to. I read articles. I, I read articles by business leaders and church leaders. Listen, church leaders who I might not agree with theologically. Yeah, best place to learn. Yeah, but if they're getting it done, I want to know how they're getting it done. Yep. Um, I listen to podcasts. Well, I probably listen to probably between seven and eight podcasts a week during my workouts. That's that's what I do. I'm, I'm weird. I can do that. Um, but you got to figure out what it takes, which is why I mean, you know, hey, no, um, no. I mean, shameless commercial plug here. That's why the leadership intensive that we're doing in March that we talked about at the beginning of the program. I'm guaranteeing you it will be one of the best investments that you can make in your leadership. Because we're going to open up the hood of our churches, and we're going to dive into the engine. We're going to fix some things. We're going to discover some things. We're going to learn about some personal development. It is going to be two of the best days and some of the best money you'll ever spend if you want to develop yourself as a leader. And we only have 50 spots, so you yeah. better get signed up. Hey, let me just throw a plug in. I got two text messages yesterday. One from our friend Balaji. What's up, Balaji? Balaji! In Nigeria. Nigeria! Who came to a coaching intensive a little over a year ago. Uh, had 9,000 people for his Christmas service. A year ago when he was here, had about 4,000 people coming to his church. And he texted me and said, hey, just thank, thank you for the time. Uh, that you guys have in, New Springs invested into me. You're part of this. And another guy who planted his church a year ago texted me, had 1,200 people at his Christmas services. Is that Kevin? It's Kevin Moore. Kevin Moore. And uh, and he's he's been a part of the coaching network. And so, uh, you know, and we could go story after story, and it is a bit of a shameless plug, but the reality is uh, the things, when you surround yourself by people who are trying to develop and you hear from somebody who's walked uh, in uh, leading a, a big organization from you know from beginning to what New Spring is now, a lot can be gained, and so it's definitely it's, it's worth way more than eight hundred fifty dollars. But um, you know, I just want to encourage people. We just hear all the time how this particular couple of days is brings radical change in all the right kind of ways 
to the to the leaders and the organizations or churches they represent. Well, and understand this: if you come, to, we're, we're not teaching you how to do church the way we do church. We're teaching you why you should do church the way God called you to do church. Yeah. That we don't want carbon copies of New Spring all over the world, but we want people to discover their leadership potential and discover the potential that God has called their church to, and that's what we're doing, and that's why we're excited about it. Yeah, it's great. Well, I think, uh, you know, you shared lots of things in this particular area. So the four areas, invest uh, uh, in to make 2015 great, Perry. Before we sign off for this initial 2015 podcast, anything else you want to add? No, I'm, I'm just going to kind of review them real quick. It's, it's investment in personal health, investment in your family, investment in time with God, investment and personal leadership development. Those are the things I'm telling you, if you make those four investments, 2015 will be great. On a side note to end the podcast, thank you to all of you who hashtag pray for Josh yep. in the last podcast. It was a movement. It actually. was a movement. Pray for Josh. The Florida Gators did get a head coach. And I'm just going to be honest with you, man, as a sports fan, it's a question mark. It's a coin toss at this point, but Josh and I have a running bet, and I believe that Clemson will actually win a national championship before Florida does again. Ooh. That's that's my that's my thing. I believe Clemson will win a national championship before Florida does. Josh so, disagrees, but Josh as he should is wrong. So <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast right now, if you'll hashtag pray for Josh, the first person that does that, I'm gonna send you a signed copy of Overwhelmed. Perfect. Ready, set, go. See you guys next week.